Hello and a very warm welcome to the second episode of the Somewhat Sustainable podcast. I'm so happy that you can join us. If you've already listened to the first episode, thank you so much. If you haven't already listened to the first episode, you can do so below, just hit the link. But today we are joined by our guest, Freddie Hoare from SQI. Hey Freddie, welcome to the Somewhat Sustainable podcast. It's lovely to, to have you here today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to have you here. So I, I'm I'm just going to jump straight into it. Um, so to start us off, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your brand, Ski? Yeah. So I'm Freddie um, and I've always wanted to start my own business. I think I was probably about 15, maybe 16. It's probably GCSE year, some, something like that around, around then at school. And I kind of knew that I wanted to go and start my own business. Um, and so I kind of set my mind to that from a young age. Um, I went to university. Originally, I was started studying history at Nottingham and I realized pretty quickly that history was not for me. I wanted to do something more vocational, more businessy, something that would better prepare me to hopefully launch my own business one day. Um, and so I, I quit that and then went and did business management at Nottingham Trent. And that was fantastic. One of the best decisions that I've made. Had a great time there. Um, did a really entrepreneurial business degree, actually. it was We had quite a few sort of Dragon's Den style pitches and things similar to that. Um, so it was really quite fun and a little bit like The Apprentice and, and stuff that you see on TV. And that gave me a real flavor for starting my own business. Um, I think there were about 35 of us that graduated in the end and probably something like eight of us have our own business now. So it's quite an exciting little group to be part of. And we kind of G each other up and egg each other on. And, and that's quite that's quite a nice, um, quite a nice um I guess, kind of group to be, to be a part of. Um, after university, yeah. I went and launched a property management company. Um, really enjoyed launching a business and running a business. Didn't quite enjoy the property management side of things so much. Um, taking calls from tenants with broken hot water at sort of 10 o'clock in an mm. evening was not, not my idea of fun. Um, but we'd got the business to a point I was able to get to take a week off and go on a holiday. And I booked a ski trip with a few of my mates from home and I needed a new jacket. I was in the market for, for a new ski coat. Some about 200 pounds and I thought if I'm going to spend 200 pounds on a jacket I want something I can get more use out of than just one week a year what about the other 51 weeks can I wear this when I'm out and about with my mates in London can I wear this when I'm stood on the sideline of a sports pitch can I wear this when I go watch Fulham play at Craven Cottage um, and it, you know on these cold wet windy days that we love to have a little bit of a whinge and a moan about here in the UK and I just thought there wasn't a jacket that did all of these different things and genuinely bridged the gap between piste and pavement. I thought there are plenty of technical ski jackets, great for skiing, but do you really want to wear it out and about with your mates? I don't think you do. And on the flip side, I thought there are plenty of stylish and trendy jackets that look cool, but do you really want to be wearing that when the weather turns and you're stuck in wet, windy conditions? I'm not sure you do want to wear that jacket. So I thought there was a real opportunity for a product that bridged the fashion function gap between the slopes and the streets. And that's what I set out, set out to achieve. And in October of 2021, last year, so literally like four or five months ago at the time of recording this presentation, um, we launched the business. Um, and it's been really exciting yeah. four or five months through our first winter. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds incredible. And it's it's really interesting. There's, there's such a... I guess variation of people that, you know, there's people that necessarily didn't know that they wanted to found their own business. And then obviously you were like dead set on finding your own business. But how did you find yourself in property management? What, what was this sort of journey there? I guess it's uh, very different to, to streetwear yeah. and ski wear. 
Yeah, it is. It is very different. I mean, it's a little bit fluky in lots of ways. Um, so my business degree at Nottingham Trent, uh, it included a placement year. And so I applied to all sorts of different things. Um, I remember actually I applied for, there's, there's like a placement scheme at Pizza Express where you spend half the time kind of managing or assistant managing a restaurant and half the time in their head office looking at their wider marketing strategy, real estate portfolio across all of their high street locations and restaurants and all sorts else. And I, I got quite far through that process and didn't get it and I, I was absolutely gutted but with hindsight it was a blessing because um, there was a local I say local I mean it was in the city centre of Nottingham so I guess it was local to my university but it, it was it was a, a quite successful and established um, lettings agency and I went and worked there as a property manager and I, I was fortunate to, to pass interview to get that job to get that placement for a year and then after university, one of my good friends from home that I went to school with, home being kind of just south of London here in Kent, um, a good mate of mine, Dan, I knew uh, had connections with an investor that a, has a lot of experience in property, in property, real estate, construction, development. And he's always wanted property management because he's always seen a gap in the market for a property management company um, that has a much more modern and digital approach to what is quite frankly, a bit of an outdated industry. So kind of that whole challenger disruptor mentality in the property management space. And when I was speaking to Dan, I said, look, I want to start my own business. I actually did property management for a year. So I can, you know, I kind of know that industry and what it's all about. So I think I can add some real value here. Um, unfortunately, the investor and Dan saw it the same way. And the other co-founder, Carla, as well, she saw it the same way. And so I was really lucky to kind of stumble into that opportunity that gave me my first taste of proper entrepreneurialism uh, post-university. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of um, opportunity in um, sort of property management and, and the letting space. I think there's a... Uh, one of one of my friends recently sort of went through that whole process of trying to secure his first apartment and uh, he found it really stressful because he was like I've had to get all of these references I've had to get all of this like um all of these checks um but if there was like a one single place where you could get all of this done and then basically you just bid on properties you go and see them and then you bid on it and basically you're pre-approved um so yeah I think there's a, a really great opportunity there in potentially creating like an app or something for the modern for the modern person who who's trying to let a property but i think it's a it's a, it's a really interesting landscape and i think that transition from property into sort of streetwear and skiwear is is bizarre but how how did you find it like how did you go from property to ski yeah i mean there are a lot of transferable skills um that did translate across and then there were a lot of things that i was totally new to and had to just learn from 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 a standing start from scratch. Um, I mean, a lot of the transferable skills, you know, things like being able to communicate with investors, manage expectations, manage company cash flow, look at finance and accounting, building the basics of a marketing strategy, social media presence, website, working with uh, marketing agencies, working with different people, uh, managing time effectively, organization, networking events. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of was same, same, but different. Um, and then... Yeah. The, the, the product side of things, you know, when it comes to actually manufacturing a jacket from recycled plastic bottles, how on earth do you go about doing that? How do you research yeah. and develop the product? How do you prototype it? How do you speak with different suppliers? How do you negotiate with these suppliers that, you know, are foreign and deal in foreign currencies? You know, do you had to leave a legal contract even binding over there? There's just kind of so many different headaches that I had, I had to solve. Um, and, and, and so basically the first six months of, 
once I'd committed, I was like, right, I'm going to go launch SQI or Ski as I've always called it. But I think we're, I think we're moving more towards SQI now. Um, mm. I, I just needed to spend six months. Essentially, I locked myself away in my bedroom. I actually ended up, I had knee surgery. I didn't get to go on that ski holiday that I mentioned. I oh, actually man. tore, yeah, I tore a lot in my knee, uh, about two weeks before I was meant to go playing hockey. And so, uh, I had surgery and rehab and basically just, just spent six months in front of a computer screen researching and learning. It was almost like going back to university, actually, and then kind of writing mm-hmm. another dissertation as such, a project that had taken me basically six months. And that project was my business plan that I, ended up being translated into a pitch deck that allowed us to fundraise 190 grand and launch the business. That's amazing. I mean, the the whole startup mindset, it, it, it is sometimes that whole just like lock yourself in a room and just just hash it out. You know, it's late nights, early mornings. It's it's a real roller coaster of emotions. And I think I think that's one of the things that draws people to it. It's definitely a it's not for everyone kind of place to be. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's, it's really interesting. And I, I guess the, the other question that kind of comes from that is why with all of the challenges of starting a business and, you know, developing a product and going out through pitches, why did you decide that this was going to be like a sustainable business model? Why did you, decide sorry uh, sqi would have a sustainable product um just because it's who i am and the business to the greater extent is an extension of of myself being being the founder Mm. of the company and sustainability is just so important i mean actually what what we kind of use as a little analogy for sqi is sustainability quality and innovation and that's our product ethos that we we use when designing new products um so sustainability is the first pillar it's it's our it's our guiding north star that allows our product developers to to work towards something and if it's not it doesn't fit um kind of our, our vision of of moving the chains in a positive direction then it doesn't deserve to be a product that that we sell and and, and um mm offer to our customers. So sustainability is just, and as well, one of the things I've noticed um, in fashion and sportswear and ski, ski wear as well to the greater extent is how many brands just pay lip service to sustainability and don't actually do it properly. And it's very much just a marketing soundbite that can help sell products rather than a meaningful um, statement that um, you actually want to work towards. And that's one of the reasons why I've always loved Patagonia so much because there's no... Can I swear? There's no bullshit. Can I say yeah. that on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not. I'm not averse to to swearing. When when, when passion comes across, across it's, it's it's completely, completely fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so I just thought there was an opportunity to genuinely care in a way that Patagonia does. And I don't know if you're familiar with Tala. Um, Grace Beverly mm-hmm. launched a gymwear brand, um, super sustainable. Um, and it's just so it's so organic, it's so natural, it's so authentic because it's just something that those founders are passionate about, and that's no different. That's no different for me at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Tala. Um, Grace is someone that I'd love to have on the podcast. So if she ever listens to this, you know, hit me up and we'll we'll do a we'll do an episode. We'll do a follow on from the hopefully original six. <laughs> but yeah, so I think obviously like sustainability is clearly your foundation pillar you know i sort of sometimes see businesses built up as like a pyramid so clearly that's like your foundation that's your base um and i think that's that's incredible you you mentioned that it's more of a you know sqi is more of an extension of yourself so is i'm guessing sustainability is you know really important to you as well yeah absolutely it's it's fundamentally important i mean yeah 
in lots of ways, it's kind of the biggest crisis humans have ever faced in, in human history. It's like the, the climate crisis we're in at the moment. You know, what happened? If you actually Google and research what happens when we pass two degrees of warming and even three degrees of warming, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying what what the results are. And And so I think it's the only natural direction that the world, the business world is going to move in is towards solving a lot of these problems and combating some of the worst effects of climate change. Um, so yeah. it's just kind of the natural direction that business is going to go in. And it's a question of, to me, it's a question of, do you want to get ahead of the game and be a leader? Or do you want to be playing catch up from the start? Um, and there's no way I wouldn't be playing catch up. I want to be one of the positive leaders because I think the brands that take leadership role, brands that take leadership role, um, that's going to keep cool. going. It's what. fine. Just grab, grab it and we'll... <laughs> yeah, right. Two we'll seconds. pick up in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> it stopped for whatever reason. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> safe by the phone. Yeah, safe by the phone. Um, what was it? That's completely thrown me, that has. Um, what was I talking about? Sustainability. Um, uh, being a leader rather than a... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think more more businesses need to take leadership roles and not just talk the talk, but they need to walk the walk. And I think the businesses that step up and really own that I think are going to be the winners of the next of the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long it might be. And I think Pangaea as well, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them as a fashion brand, but they yeah, yeah. produce incredibly sustainable. I mean, they've raised a significant amount of capital from a lot of high net worth and high profile celebrities and personalities. And I think it just shows that and the success they've had, particularly in lockdown, because Pangaea sell comfy tracksuits and everyone went from wearing suits in the city to wearing tracksuits in your living room. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, Pangaea, kind of their sales exploded. Look at Allbirds as well and what they've done with footwear. Um, I think they're actually listed on the stock exchange now or they had a listing not too long ago. Mm. I can't, can't quite remember. But it, it just goes to show the, the, the opportunity that's there for brands that, that really do genuinely care and, and are passionate about this and solving the world's hardest problems. Yeah, I think it's weird. Like I've been learning a lot about sort of net zero recently. Um, so the company that I work for, um, we're actually starting our journey to net zero and learning about like scope one, two and three. Like if you apply that to an individual, I almost look at like my scope one, two and three. I've got like my energy that I consume. So like all of my household bills, electric and gas and what have you. And then I've got like my car and stuff, but then you've got like your scope two stuff. Um, but then like scope three is the things that you buy. So it is it, at my personal scope three is if I buy from SQI, you become my scope three. So scope three can be one of the biggest problems that you have in any business. So as an individual, it could be potentially the same. So if you're buying from a sustainable business, it makes sense that, you know, if their scope one and two is vastly reduced and their scope three is reduced, then by proxy, my personal scope three is, is also reduced. So it's, it's, it's kind of creating a sustainable environment for people to buy from to, to be more conscious about what they're buying. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And, and I think is a, a really important part of business. And I think at some point we're going to have to move towards a sustainability is just the normal because it, it has to be. And it like will, I say, it will become the norm. Yeah, it will become yeah. the norm. It, the question is, when does it become the norm? And at what level of warming have we already kind of experienced uh, uh, or created, manufactured by that point? Um, that's the real concerning question. Oh, is it going to be, I mean, it's probably going to be too little too late, but how little, how too late? I mean, if we can hold it to 1.8, 1.9 degrees, 
I mean, that's not good, but it's a lot better than 2.9 or 3.9, in which case that is. Mm. Let's, let's not talk about that. Let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it definitely becomes a lot more scary the warmer we go. Um, but I think, you know, the, one of the reasons that I really sat this sort of podcast up was actually to, to learn about all those amazing businesses that are doing amazing things and the individuals behind them. Um, so, I guess then we know why sustainability is important to you, but how do you ensure that SQI is a sustainable business? Yeah, um, it, it's a good question. It's an important question. But the first thing I want to say is we don't have all of the answers just yet. We are a startup that launched four months ago on a very limited budget and I developed a supply chain through a pandemic. So it's I haven't been able to go and visit a lot of the suppliers and fabric mills around the world that I would love to have done and, and will will be doing um, soon. But that said, building a sustainable product was just essential and I wasn't going to launch something that I didn't feel at least um, was uh, compared very favorably to a lot of our competitors out there. And, and I thought it was a genuinely pretty sustainable product. Um, so it started with just researching fabrics, really, um, and kind of how the fabric properties, because it's got to be, it's got to uh, do the job in wet, windy weather. It, it has to be able to do that. It has to be breathable. It has to be something sporty that you can ski in, something that also looks cool and feels nice and, and would belong in an urban setting. Um, and we found um, fabrics kind of similar to and called Reprieve, which is essentially an R-PET. So it's a recycled polyester um, made mm. from recycled plastic bottles. Um, and it turns existing plastic waste into so many new products, actually. It's quite incredible how versatile this fabric is. I mean, it's been used on so many different things and fashion is just one example of it. And so we, we, we've used that, um, for the outer shell of our jackets. We then used all of the insulation as recycled polyester and we have faux fur hoods and that's cruelty free. That's faux fur that we use on those, on those things. So at, at the moment, um, fabrics have been the most sustainable thing that we've done in terms of our product creation. And I can't exactly put a number on it, but to guesstimate, it's probably about 80 to 90% sustainable materials that our jacket um, has been manufactured with. Um, and then when it goes, it's because sustainability is well, such a broad term, it depends how you define it. It's not just the fabrics and resources, yeah, yeah. it's also the people. You know, are you genuinely paying your people a, a proper wage? Is the factory safe? Um, all of these different things. And so we ensure that we've got accreditations from all of our suppliers in place and we make sure and insist that we, we see all of these and vet all of these ourselves before we go mm. ahead and, and even start prototyping a product. Yeah. And have you found that process quite difficult or is it kind of come naturally because you're so passionate about this? Um, ooh, good question. It's, I mean, I'm passionate about it. So I think it was the inevitable consequence. We were going to have a product that was to the greater extent sustainable uh, and we think stacks up well against our competitors and, and sets an example mm. of, of improvement towards, towards this, this goal. Um, but I couldn't have done it on my own and I had to have people around me that had skill sets that I didn't. Um, so we've, we've worked with people and partners who have been in products, supply chain, fabrics and sustainable fabrics and creating sustainable products for a period of time and being able to lean on these people, their connections, their experiences. That's been so, so helpful. And again, particularly in a pandemic when I couldn't go to the Munich trade show, the Frankfurt trade show and go and see yep. all of these fabrics and feel them for myself and for myself and speak to suppliers. I had to kind of lean on people that have been to these shows and do have these supply chain yeah. connections. And that was something that was was really, really helpful to us. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it it is one of those things. Like I think once you get really passionate about something, it kind of just flows naturally. You almost get into this like wormhole of finding things which actually make a lot more sense and you can sort of drive your passion into it. And I think that's really important. Um, so I guess that the, one of the things that you touched on there is obviously sustainability means a lot of different things to everybody, but what does sustainability mean to you? For me, it's, um, that's it. I, 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 for me, it's being a carbon negative brand and, and that should always be the goal. I mean, I, I love sports. I'm sports mad, sports crazy, which is one of the reasons kind of sport, sports, sportiness is so integrated into the brand and the product. Um, and I just never aim to draw anything. I don't want to, I don't want to draw nil nil or one one. So why are we aiming for net zero, which is just kind of just you know, the, the 1.9 degrees of warming is still going to be out there if we hit net zero, you know, we can't undo it. And so that I think should be the goal for humanity is carb- to be carbon negative. Um, I think that that should absolutely be the goal. That is what victory and, and winning would look like in terms of this, this, this fight. So, um, and then really you just apply that to every single, it's a mindset, it's a mentality, I think, to any decision that you take in a business, whether it's product, whether it's people, whether it's HR, it's just, is this the right thing to do? Is this the humane thing to do? Is this, is this a correct thing to do? And, and you know, kind of thing, what would, what will future generations think of these decisions that, um, that you've taken? Um, it's a bit of a wishy-washy answer. And that's one of the issues with sustainability is that it is a little bit, it is a lot wishy-washy to the, to the greater extent. Um, and one of the things I really like is B corporations because they clearly define this for you and they set you targets mm-hmm. and you're only, you're only eligible to become a B Corp if you hit all of these rigorous standards and processes. Um, yeah. and, and, and by having kind of this uniform definition that so many different brands around the world all adhere to, I think that's really powerful. And so becoming a B Corporation is something that we absolutely want to do in the future. Um, because becoming a carbon negative brand is hard. It's really, really difficult. Um, and so having the support of something like B Corporations, who kind of a lot of them have done it or are in the process of doing it, um, I mm. think that's, that's, that's really needed um, to create that community of people, of like-minded people that, that want to also solve the same problems that you do and share the same passion and, and mentality that you do. Yeah, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the... Um sort of the factual definition of sustainability is something that you can repeat endlessly without sort of a negative effect. Um, so a carbon negative company would would actually help to reverse what we're doing right now. So, and then obviously net zero kind of just keeps us on the same path, which I think it's a nice step. But to some extent, I kind of agree with you in terms of like being carbon negative is like maybe the ultimate goal. Um, and it would be so nice to get there. And as a as a company, being able to hit carbon negative would be, uh, I don't know, inspirational for me. I think that's incredible. So if, if you guys do that, then yeah, I mean, all that credit to you. That's that, that, that is a long-term goal. That's the vision. We'd love to be able to, to be a carbon negative fashion brand, but there is a lot of work we've got to do to get there. But again, it goes back to what I was saying right at the start. You know, that is our kind of guiding North Star. And when we're hiring people and we're developing new products, we do kind of have that that vision in mind and whatever we can do to help get there, we, we will do. And if there's more demand as well for sustainable practice, then more so, it, 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 there's just going to become more investment that gets 
um, put into yeah. creating sustainable supply chains, you know, potentially shipping yeah. products across half of the world. You can genuinely do that in a carbon negative way in the future. You know, that, that is a real possibility. And one of the things I have noticed in starting this brand and learning a lot about fabrics and textiles is quite how much uh, demand there is from brands now for more sustainable fabrics. And that demand mm-hmm. has been passed on to suppliers who now need to go and find, manufacture and create new sustainable fabrics that that can change the world kind of thing. Um, I had yeah. a chat with a company recently that are looking to make um, kind of a really tough waterproof outerwear made from uh, seaweed uh, and or, or sustainable oh, seaweed wow. farming. And I just thought that was an incredibly exciting thing. And there's a lot of investment that's out there for brands that want to solve these difficult problems. Because if he is able, if, if they are able to manufacture this really waterproof, fantastic outerwear, Gore-Tex-like fabric from seaweed, and it's done sustainably and it's repeatable over and over again, as you said, I mean, they're going to be big, big winners and the fashion industry is going to want a piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think taking inspiration from nature is is definitely going to be kind of the next. It, to me, is probably going to be like one of the next big things. It's it's. I sometimes look at my house plants, and I've got quite a few, and I think, well, could I not like take all these old like dead leaves and like pulp them into something which is more, you know, sustainable? Whether it be a textile or whether it be like a, a paper or something. So we actually take. Because obviously we get the fall every year, so like in autumn, all of the leaves fall. Can we not like collect those, harbour them, and like use them for something rather than letting them go to waste? Um, so that could be a really interesting sort of thing for the future, um, which kind of leads us really nicely onto what was my next question, which was the green and sustainable landscape is incredibly vast right now and there's a lot of things which are happening there's loads of innovation um and there's loads of cool stuff happening but for you what what is there within this landscape which gets you really excited for me it's the fabric innovation and the amount of investment that's being put into really really entrepreneurial founders that are hiring you know essentially some of the world's best scientists are being put to the case of or up to the challenge of can you create gen, you know really sustainable fabrics that um, are not just more sustainable but they're also just better fabrics because I think there's a bit of a myth which is starting to be dispelled but it's still out there that you either buy a sustainable product or you buy a good quality product and you can't have both is a lot of people feel you either buy sustainability or you're buying something that's good quality and frankly i just don't think that's true anymore already with the fabric innovation that's happened and i'm really excited to see um how much more development there is in this area and i think kind of how some of the some of the new fabrics that we're going to see in active wear sports wear gym wear um and all sorts else over the next 5, 10, 15 years, I think is really exciting to see. Um, and we hope that we're able to um, get involved in, and use some of these fabrics that are out there. Yeah. So, um, again, you've, you've actually really nicely led me into my next question, which was like, what's next for SQI? Yeah, so basically launch the brand. I mean, yes, we have launched. We launched in October of, of last year, 2021. Um, but it's very much our first winter and we would 
the goal uh, was just to learn as much as we can, try a bit of everything, see what works, see what doesn't, um, check that we can deliver and fulfill all of this, all of these products and customer orders, check that the product's actually good enough, uh, which it has been, the feedback's been excellent actually, so it's really, really encouraging and exciting for us. Um, but it basically just, I want people to hear about us, hear about our mission, to blur the lines between ski wear, street wear and sports wear, because I really do not believe there is a fashion brand that has this ethos. Um, introduce new sustainable fabrics. I want to expand our product range because at the moment we just sell a jacket made from recycled plastic. We don't sell anything else. Um, and I would like to have a more, a more diverse product range as well. So you can mm. essentially shop the whole look rather than just shop the jacket. Um, mm. I'd like to partner with some retailers. I'd like to enter North American and European markets as well um, because you know you actually can't do that much skiing in the UK, for example. You can ski in Scotland mm. and I actually low-key think that's going to be a really exciting destination that, that grows and more people will ski there in the future. Um, but you know, most of the mountains that we ski in are in Europe, North America. I mean, even Asia is the fastest growing ski market in the world. I mean, new resorts are popping up in Japan and China um, and... Mm. Um, so there's a lot of it's a lot of ex- exciting things. We've obviously just had the Winter Olympics really recently in Beijing, so a lot of people, I guess, yeah. are inspired to take it up. And I think the whole industry is becoming more accessible and inclusive than it's ever been. And I think skiing has been for a long time has been stereotyped as it's, it's in its own little bubble. And we're mm-hmm. we're the brand that want to break this bubble with this streetwear, sportswear, okay. skiwear um, type hybrid brand. Um, so we just want people to hear about our mission uh, and and hopefully really enjoy our product. And we want to expand our product range and enter new markets. So th- those are our goals for what's next. Yeah, and I think I, I guess the other thing to kind of consider is that obviously our snow lines are rising. You know, um, I actually watched a, a documentary recently, and um, the there was a statistic in there that over like a 50 year period that this the the naught degree line had actually risen by it was a substantial amount and i can't remember the exact amount but it was substantial so are you looking to kind of like create any partnerships or invest with any sort of companies which are actually sort of looking to try and support ski resorts or because obviously that's that's your foundation right so what what are you are you doing something actively to try and make that sort of retain the ski season i guess yeah absolutely and i think um there's 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 a charity called uh, protect our winters or pow as there as it's as it's abbreviated and there's a lot of winter businesses and ski wear brands that are bought into what they're doing um and essentially mm. we kind of all pool our resources together and protect our winters um really lead this drive and that's an initiative we want to be involved in absolutely um because uh, I mean, everything is kind of at risk due to climate change, but the ski industry really is at risk because it's so reliant on predictable and stable snowfall um, 3,000 meters up some of the world's biggest mountains. And that is where kind of uh, geography and climate is at its most extremes, extreme anyway. Um, so it's particularly susceptible to... Um, to, to global warming. And so whatever we can do to protect our winters and protect this sport that so many people love and so many more people are being introduced to and, and, and aspiring to, to love, um, is really exciting. And so I, I just think it's something that, that has to, has to have a lot of focus and emphasis. And so we're, we're really looking forward to hopefully doing something with protect our winters. Um, so that's definitely something to watch out for next September when we kind of relaunch the business for next winter. Um, mm. we, um, we, we expect to be in a partnership with them, which is, which is really cool. 
Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm completely aware of Protect Our Winters, hopefully going to have, um, one of their representatives on the, on the podcast, um, hopefully in the next episode, but we will, uh, we will see. Um, and it's, it's, it's great to hear that you obviously you're, you're kind of putting that as an emphasis. Yes. You want to merge and blur the lines between ski wear and street wear, but actually, you know, supporting those winters and, and obviously trying to have a positive effect for the for the sort of industry i guess you know is is your main focus is is really nice um so i I guess one of the one of the other questions is like what what's been the best piece of advice that you've been given to sort of be more sustainable what what kind of stuck with you I I, i i mean i'd say one thing is just to be authentic um you know don't try and force it kind kind of thing um you know, to me, I just, it's just a natural, it's a natural thing that we want to be a really sustainable business. And so we just follow that and be authentic and kind of follow our heart and where that takes us as a business. And we feel that hopefully our customers will want to follow that and, and people generally, um, that, that kind of we're targeting and we feel we, we share values with and, and hopefully they'll want to follow this mission that, that we're on to hopefully build a carbon negative fashion brand. That, that is the goal. That's our guiding North Star. Um, so just be really authentic and focus on, on the areas that, that mean the most to you and, and start with those little wins. Don't try and solve the world's problems overnight because you are unable to do that. Um, it's just impossible. Mm. But what you can do is move the chains in the right direction and, and be a leader of, of positive change. And I think that that's the starting point. Take those small steps, do get those little quick wins. Um, and then, and then I guess that will lead you nicely into tackling some of the harder, um, more pressing problems. Mm. So is, would that be like your, your piece of advice that you'd give to, to somebody else who was starting out on their sustainable journey, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the industry and the business to the greater extent. Like, you know, what a, the advice I would give to someone starting a fashion brand compared to, I don't know, a recruitment agency, for example, it, it would just be so, so different because the... I guess the demands for sustainability are just, you know, we're manufacturing a product, recruitment is a service. So, you know, saying go and find the most sustainable fabrics, go and test all of them out. You know, you wouldn't do that as a recruitment agency, unless you're recruiting for fashion and sustainable fashion, perhaps. But, um, you know, that's probably quite a, a, quite a slim minority of recruitment agencies that are out there. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I define define what it is to you and what you want to achieve from, from that journey. Um, and start with those small steps. Don't try and conquer the world overnight, but, um, you know, do have in the back of your mind that you do want to conquer the world at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and would that be the same sort of advice that you'd give to like an individual, let's say that, um, you know, you, Freddie were, were giving some advice to me just as an individual. Um, what, what would your, what would your little nugget of advice be to an in, to an individual? Um, crikey, that's that that's difficult. I mean, I a point actually that I would like to make at this point is I think businesses need to need to take the priority because I think just telling individuals to, for example, do a cold wash of your washing machine, you know, always wash at twenty degrees, thirty degrees, whatever it might be. You know, we're not going to fix climate change if you know a lot of individuals just do that. You know, you need big businesses. To, to make real meaningful change. And that's what I think has to lead the process. And I think just kind of palming it off to individuals and say, educate yourself, do a cold wash, um, whatever it might be, sustainability wise, um, 
I don't, I don't think that's quite fair and I don't think that's going to have the same results that a business-led transformation would have. And that's one of the reasons why I want to be a sustainable business is because I think businesses need to, need to step up and help take individuals on that journey with them um, and kind of almost make it, make it difficult for customers not to shop sustainably because, quite frankly, that's just the norm and that's what's out there. Um, so you're almost giving them no choice but to, but to shop sustainably. So that, that's kind of the direction that I see it moving in. Um, but as for an individual, I mean, the, I guess, I guess just, just do the research online. Um, do, do the research, see what, see what you can do. Um, you know, air miles is a massive thing. I mean, just flying full stop. I think if there's one thing that we can do less of, it's hopefully it's flying and, and get more trains or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's, that's the single, oh, and, and don't eat meat as well. Um, I'm sort of a part-time veggie. Um, I still do eat meat, mm. but I tell you what, after watching Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy on Netflix, I do certainly question my eating habits for sure. And if there are two yeah. things that you can do on a micro scale, on an individual level, it's fly less and eat less meat. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a really nice one to kind of, I guess, you know, finish on. It's a do do what you can and, and don't let, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, don't let perfection get in the way of doing better. So it's it it seems to be the the theme that runs throughout sort of all of the conversations that i've had is start by doing something and just integrate it into your day-to-day routine because ultimately sustainability has to be sustainable um so so yeah and i mean it's amazing to hear what you're saying about like businesses leading the way and making the the consumer have no choice but to shop sustainably. I think that would be an amazing position to be in, and, and hopefully we get there one day. I think that's that's like end goal, isn't it? That's it like is. where we want to get to. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a really really nice one to finish on, and and thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. It's been amazing and inspirational to to listen to to your journey and your story. Um, love that you wanted to found your own business and and. I wish you all the best in sort of making it a success. I think it's a, yeah, it's a brilliant business and I, and I love the look of your, your actual ski wear. I think it's nice. Um, even though I'm not a skier, I'm still very tempted. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks Freddie. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, jackets aren't just for skiing, sportswear, streetwear. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.